Welcome to Corporate Thought, the podcast where we talk about everything from food to family to music to the life of entrepreneurship and anything and everything else that makes life worth living. Welcome to the show. My guest today is the amazing Dana Todd, serial entrepreneur known in her past life as the queen of SEO. Today, Dana is building an online market for bespoke women's clothing. Dana is open about many of the struggles she had along the way towards building businesses, but she has a determination and a grit that is enviable and certainly inspirational. Please enjoy learning from my conversation with Dana Todd. Hey, Dana. Hey, Mark. It's good to uh, good to talk to you. You too. I'm very excited. This is uh, a thrill. It's my my first pandemic podcast. Well, <laughs> there you go. It's funny. Oh, I don't mean it's funny at all, but I usually do these podcasts in person, and people say, "Well, that means you only stay local." And I said, "No, I travel so much. I literally carry my little digital recorder with me all over the place, and I record conversations face to face everywhere I go." And now I am for the first time. Uh, starting to use Zoom and uh, do this this uh, online way, which um, it has, you know, it's it's that thing that I actually uh, talk about a lot, which is the double-edged sword of technology. It allows, look, you're in Chicago, I'm in Virginia, and we're able to talk, and in fact, I can see you and all these things, which is great. At the same time of all the positive ability to be connected, I tend to think that technology makes us more isolated because we don't spend as much time in each other's presence pre-COVID-19. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> I would agree with you. I mean, frankly, I do so much remote work. To me, there's not, from a technology and a connectivity perspective, it's not significantly different. But I agree that there, it, it only gets you, it, it keeps you at surface level communication. It really does. It's hard for you to go very deep when you are going through a screen in the same way as so for example it, it always kills me when i go to a live concert and i watch people literally five feet from the stage watching the entire thing on their device so they're bypassing this real experience and choosing instead this teeny tiny horrid you know miniaturized version of the experience um and i i wonder sometimes if people realize what they're missing out on uh, case in point, last night, I, I was hanging out with my family, and we were doing these online games thing like Jackbox.tv and trying it out. And it was okay. It was fun. It was nice to to be able to talk with each other. But, you know, it, it, we kind of petered out after a really short time. And, you know, I, it, it just wasn't the same. It's not the same as like just truly hanging out with your friends or your family, drinking. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, and that's the, and that you know, I think that all of this that we're going through now will have some will have some impact because I don't think that to some extent as technology has improved, as we've all put these computers in our pockets, these smartphones, and it has become pervasive in our in our life, it was like it was like the slow boil of the frog that didn't see it happening, that we were becoming more and more isolated in that screen. That person at the concert watching the concert 
through their screen that they're filming didn't realize they were missing that image around them. Which is crazy to me. Right. But now that we're being forced to be apart, all of a sudden it's dawning on us, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I, I was saying like, but the first like five days or so, because here in Illinois, we've been locked down now for 10 days, I guess. Um, so it was, you know, because I work remotely so much, because I'm working at home and, and I do everything so E and my team's very distributed. I, I thought, ah, it's a piece of cake, no worries. But there's something weird about being told that you have to isolate. Like, you're like suddenly the choice is gone and you're like, ah, I need a human. You know, it's, it's peculiar. Suddenly I was like, I need to adopt a cat. You know, all these things just like, somebody help me. I feel isolated, which is so bizarre. There's literally no difference in my day. <laughs> right. Yeah, you were already in a remote situation, but you weren't being told you had to be in a remote situation. Right. Right, and I think yeah. there's that that element, uh, you know, comes to bear. So I think that's interesting. So if you know, you're you're. When I think of technology, I always think of you. Uh, right, right, rightly or wrongly, I still. Uh, <laughs> if, if, I, if I describe you, I tell people that well, you know, she's like the queen of SEO, and because I read that like I don't know what more than a decade ago. Uh, <laughs> Probably. Still hanging on that crown. No, actually, yeah. it's true. Yeah, I, I get to call myself a pioneer. I really did have a significant impact in that industry. And so you're, and so you, you know, I, you saying you work remotely is, you know, never surprises me because you have been, you know, I met you in a technology setting and you've always, as far as I know, you've always sort of been in a technology setting. That's um, true. But, you know, you can say what, in, in the years of technology, have you seen, you know, and I don't mean the evolutionary change of the technology, but have you seen that it creates the way you work to be differently? Has, has the technology influenced the way you do it, or is it always the same, just the tools have changed? Well, uh, what I'd say, yeah, well, the, definitely the tools have changed. Um, and it's funny, as you were talking earlier, I was just thinking back. I remember actually that when you first hired me, when I was, uh, had my digital agency in San Diego, you hired me sight unseen. Correct. We, we had not met. So the, the bulk of our relationship was entirely distant for a very long time. Um, so I, I think for me, while the tools have gone from telephone to cell phone to video conferencing to what have you, that this, this style of communicating hasn't changed for me. Well, what has changed for me is that now in my startup, Baladana, we're, a, we're an online marketplace. Um, so it's critical for us to be able to talk to customers in a very intimate way because I'm dealing with women's bodies, their measurements. We do custom-made clothing. So I'm, I need to be able to reach them with a, a rich experience. And at the same time, I'm representing 12 different tailor groups in 10 countries. So I routinely, you know, WhatsApp is my lifeline right now. You know, I'll be talking to India in the middle of the night or Lithuania in the afternoon, or, you know, so being able to have that connectivity through multiple devices has made me feel much more empowered. They can reach me more easily when they need me. There's a, a, a sense of closeness that I have with these people that I've never met and they're all over the world. And some of them, you know, don't have strong English skills, but we make do we, you know, with emoji. <laughs> Thank God for emojis, right? So we make do in the language that presents itself to us in these tools. It's, I, and you know, it's funny. I, 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 you're, we're going to obviously talk about what you do and about your business. And I, 
you just described it as a marketplace, which um, is which hits me because this is the second uh, podcast um, uh, conversation I've had this week with somebody launching a marketplace, and the second conversation was one March launching a marketplace aimed at women. So. Uh, <laughs> You know, yeah, it, it's, it's just interesting. Rage. Is that maybe it, I don't know. Maybe that maybe there's something going on. But I I just like that that caught me. Like oh wow, huh? The other one is is uh, specialized in the wedding industry, and now uh, you with 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 custom clothing. But I think at, you know at the outset, the technology allows you you know to do that. I I, I think back to as a child, and my father was not from the U.S. He was uh, from Denmark. And I recall as a child, when he wanted to call home, he would call the U.S. international operator, and that person would call the Danish international operator, and they would let you know, we'll be calling you back. And so he'd hang up the phone, and then a few minutes would go by, and then the phone would ring again, and he'd answer the phone, and it would be the operator talking to the other operator, basically patching the phone call through. I mean, wow. you know. Yeah. And, and, and that's in my lifetime and I'm not that old. So, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I can say I'm a Gen Xer. So, uh, you know, that's, that, that was in the seventies. That's, and I still have memories of it. And now you're saying, yeah, you get up in the middle of the night and you talk to uh, people in India or whatever. It's no big deal. That's great. It, it really is enabling. Yeah. I love the fact that we can have video conferences so I can see things in real time you know i can check a garment or we can just do a, a deeper connect i've been trying to reach out to all of our we are being affected it's funny i was thinking this morning oh the hubris just one month ago i was interviewed by the chicago tribune because they were talking about china and you know like oh, is your business being impacted you know and all these startups and i was like oh we're fine we only have one group that's out of china so all our European people are kicking in. It's fine. We've got this. And then all of a sudden, just like, boom, the whole world is shutting down. And it's really been interesting to connect with folks all over, other business owners. And these are all small business owners. Some of them have very tiny shops. Some of them have you know, factories, smaller mid-sized factories. But they, they're all scrambling you know and they all are are looking to commiserate and figure out how we're going to get through this together so it's uh it's an interesting time we live in right now right so tell me you said you you mentioned just now um you know your ability to to and i think you were relating it to to garments but you know the ability to to go deeper with somebody through video conferencing yeah. which strikes me as as odd but maybe that's because <laughs> well but maybe that's because i am still i i you know i the, to me that human connection and that's what we're talking about about being in the same room but you are able to um replicate if you will perhaps the yeah that that touch somehow you if you're if you're diving deeper with a designer i mean you're talking about clothing right you're talking about garments which and at the higher end of things there's a very personal connection to right very much so yeah so so how how does that how does how does how do you how do you harness the technology to affect that emotional connection you know it's really not the technology it's okay. it's you the communicator yeah, it really is. And so, yes, I've been able to forge a deep connection with these people I've never even met in foreign countries. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I, I care about them. 
I'm not afraid to be vulnerable with them. And I let them know how I feel about them, you know, and I'm trying to, it's really, it's never the technology market. It's always the humans. It's always the humans, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. I like that. While, while this isn't perfect, you know, I'd love it if I could just be on a plane and jet over there and check out their factories. That would be awesome. But in, in the dearth of that, to be able to have them go through with a camera and Skype me in while we're doing a walkthrough of the facilities, um, you know, those, that's, that's, it's not the same as having the tiny screen concert. It's somewhere maybe in the middle, you know, okay. because I don't, I don't have the concert. So if I don't have the concert, what's the next best thing? Yep. Okay. So the technology is, 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 is merely the, the, the tool, but it's the, and I like that. So, you know, it is the human connection. It is the, it is the contact. Um, and I think that has a lot to do again uh, how we communicate and, and the words we use and, and, and the fact that we use words. Uh, I guess I'll relate the, the, the tiny screen concert to, to the Twitter message or to the text message. And, I, and, that's, and that's where my fear comes is that we, we avoid the deep conversation by resorting to acronyms and shortcuts and 140 characters sometimes. I would agree with you with that. And that's why actually, to be honest, that's why I love video conferencing because I remember the early days when video conferencing was so terrible. You just never wanted to flip your camera on. And between that and text, it allows you to remain in a distracted state. So what video conferencing does is it forces you to be present. It really does. And so back to that human thing, you can be present on the phone. You can be present even in a text message. It's, how you choose your words and it's how, you know, you know, sometimes you don't need a deep connection. Sometimes you just need a lol and an emoji. That's, you know, that's good enough, right? It's a touch. Not everybody needs that, that deep, that deep connection, but I think for your friends and I've consistently carved out time with a few of my closest friends that we connect old school. We get on the phone and we talk to each other on the phone for an hour at a time. And you know, I've got a friend in Greece, we do it, we talk via WhatsApp, we are, so we had our Sunday morning tea time. Um, you know, I have a friend in San Diego and she's the one that I'll go to when I'm having such a bad day. All we wanna do is just sit there and cry on the phone with each other, just <laughs> sobbing. You know, that's the kind of human connection that is oddly possible in any type of technology, if you allow yourself and if there is trust there and, and engagement and truly being present. No, that's, um, and I think that's if hopefully people will take some of that away uh, with them in, when, they, when they hear this is that, that ability to, to maintain and grow relationships. So yeah. speaking of relationships, so as you pointed out, ours started um, way back in San Diego um, when you were in, when you were in, Digital media agency, yeah. digital media agency, and Sight you know, we've been able to stay in, in 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 contact with each other. But you have, you have your businesses and your and what you've been involved with have evolved or certainly morphed over over yeah. the, the last couple of decades. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You know, I, I like. I, I think at this point now, I can equally say I have a half of my career has been on an entrepreneurial track and half of it has been working in some type of corporate environment in a role. So I have this, I get to, to compare notes on either side. They're quite different, I think, ultimately. One requires a lot more operations 
and politics, depending on your, <laughs> depending on the company, right? Sure, sure. Uh, and the other one has, you know, considerably higher perceived risks. Uh, God knows, it's risky on both sides these days. But you, it's it's fun. I, no matter what I do, I always find a way to stay engaged and, and be associated to innovation. But you've but you've found yourself now back in entrepreneurship. Yes, my third company, Belladonna. So is that um so is is that like um an itch that you know even when you were working in in more of a corporate role you you needed to get back to your thing? Yeah, and it, it I didn't expect it. Well, you know, it's funny. I was talking to a friend. They were like, "Ah, oh, they're freaking out, especially the younger generation right now. They haven't been through all this before." And I'm like, "Ah, you know, I've had 9/11 and a global recession already, so this one certainly stresses me, but it's not the end of my world. I know we will survive this. So what led me out to Chicago was the recession. My, my last startup, we were out fundraising and 2008 hit us really, really hard. And we were able to keep it going for a couple of years after that. But nobody wanted to talk about investing. Nobody wanted to talk about trying an experimental ad unit. Nobody, everybody was just like, ah, survival mode. Um, so that was a, a really rough time to have a startup. And when we shut it down in 2010, I, I said, well, I'll go find something safe, right? So I went safe. So I, so I went corporate side out here in Chicago. And I'll tell you what, I found out it wasn't actually all that safe, you know, because you're, especially in marketing, people in marketing will tell you, we are the most expendable. We're like the red shirts on Star Trek, right? We get killed immediately when there's an alien evasion, immediately. <laughs> So, you know, I was like getting, having layoffs and I'm just like, this, this doesn't feel safe. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I was, I was doing, um, so I do a, a spiritual practice called Subud and you know, Wait, so what, what is it called? Subud, S-U-B-U-D. It was okay. originated in Indonesia. It's not a religion. It's kind of more of, I think, I think of it as a plug-in to a belief system or in my case, a, a non-belief system, but um it allows you to kind of connect and receive information for you, that is correct for you at this time and helps give you guidance. And I, I don't know, from time to time, I like to check in, like, am I on the right career path? And I was testing one day how it would be, you know, I, I had taken some time off to decompress and figure out who I really was. Um, and when I tested the difference, you see, it's kind of like muscle testing where you can feel with your body what the difference is between states. So I was feeling the difference between being a consultant, being a full-time employee, and being an entrepreneur. And the feeling of entrepreneur was literally off the charts for me. So I was like, wow, that was unexpected, especially considering how badly the last time went, you know? Okay. <laughs> So I realized that that's so core to me. My parents are entrepreneurs. You know, my grandmother was a, a literal pioneer going in a covered wagon. So I, there's something so deeply ingrained in me that this experience of being an entrepreneur and being on the front lines of innovation, it's just the thing that makes me the happiest on the planet. Even if I'm piss poor, you know, doing it, it just, it, it makes me alive. It really does. So um, you mentioned that, you know, you're, parents uh, were entrepreneurs and your family has been entrepreneurs. Growing up, did you think of them as entrepreneurs? No, not really. Well, they didn't really have that word. That wasn't a thing then. It was like... Um, it was their job. It was their job. Yeah. I didn't think of it that way. I mean, certainly there was the feast or famine part. 
course. <laughs> we were very familiar with that. <laughs> so again, maybe that prepared me that I don't feel that same sense of failure and risk that I think a lot of people do when they're used to steady state. Yep. Uh, I think, and so my parents were both entrepreneurs and I've talked about that on this podcast before, but I think that is, um, I didn't use the term. I, yeah, they went to work. That was their job, whatever. Yeah. I never did not appreciate or understand the risk. Um, and, but the, but the need, I think that you just pointed out that, 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 that as you measured this, your states and you thought about how you felt in that moment of being an entrepreneur versus, versus employee versus consultant, um, that almost, you know, that need, uh, I don't know another word for it, that, you know, that, that the compunction to have to go do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, and it, it just weighed on me. And it was funny because like right after that, um, I went ahead and set up an LLC, pulled the name out of the air. Well, it, it was again, part of my receiving. And cause it's just a silly word, Belladana, Belladana, Belladana. It's fun to say, right? And it meant nothing. I literally didn't even have a business model at that time. But I was like, well, dang it. I'm going to get on this road then. I'm going to see where my path is going to take me. And I'm going to be very intentional about this and try to be very connected to what's correct for me. And so I spent the money. I set up an LLC. I picked the name out. I bought the domain. And then I waited for a business model. <laughs> oh, so it wasn't even an idea. It was just literally, I'm going to start a business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I started, I would spend a, oh, I don't know, a year or so researching different businesses. I looked at franchises. I considered, you know, some stuff in, in health and, you know, and nothing really seemed very appealing until um, I literally had my own personal experience where I was, I had decided to um, let my hair go natural. And for people who know me and know my past, that's a big ass deal. <laughs> It's not my, purple or pink or anything else right now. No, or, it's natural and it's got gray and brown and it's, you know, I hadn't seen my natural color since I was 19. And so it was kind of a big deal for me to do that. Um, and what happened was that I realized that I had to change all my clothing because nothing, nothing worked anymore. And so I went shopping and I could not find clothes. I literally would go into, you know, a nice store with, a, you know, Macy's or a Nordstrom or whatever, which had thousands of clothing options for me and I could not find anything that fit me that didn't just look drab and, and mushy you know it wasn't it wasn't nothing made me feel good I was really frustrated by that because I really wanted to with the loss of my edgy hair color I wanted to dress edgy I wanted to not dress my age you know but not look like a hooker so there's got you know I wanted to find something that was appropriate and fun and edgy and there literally was nothing for me because any of the cool designs were coming out of Asia um, and some Europe, but they're, they're, that wasn't available to us as American consumers. Everything that we have is basically Asia made at this point, which means the sizes are not going to be correct for my body. And it was really difficult. Even going online, you can't find stuff very easily that fits you. The, the sizes are just goofy. You'll, you'll end up wasting a lot of time and money. So I found a, a, a clothing maker on Etsy who made these amazing radical, she's from Romania, her designs were so cool, so edgy, and she would make them to measure. So I could be assured that they would fit me and there was lower risk for me. But the Etsy experience was less than perfect. So, you know, I was, again, you know, in my spiritual state, just kind of happened to flip through this in my head, like, wow, that's really fun. I'd like to buy more of those. I'd like to try some different designers, but I really hate trying to remember what my measurements are all the time. And I really wish there was 
some way, you know, that all these were curated together on a single platform with a single measurement system and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, bing, there we go. That's the thing. So there so, was this aha moment that, that struck you. Yeah, yeah. And, and so life intervened in such bizarre ways. I, I could spend way more time than this podcast telling you how many peculiar circumstances and coincidences led me to a trip to Romania you know, okay. to, uh, and, and to Moldova to speak to the heads of government there about SEO. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I okay. can't tell you how weird this is that these things just aligned correctly. And by the time I left Eastern Europe, I had four committed tailors and, you know, people were all around me were saying, yes, you know, women were saying, please make this. And one on the plane heard me talking about it leaned back three rows, gave me her business card and said, I'll be your first customer. Let me know when you launch. So the, these types of things were letting me know that it was something that was desirable. So after With, that, I went all in. Without seeming too uh, woo-woo-y, do you feel sometimes that when these situations align themselves like that, where you all of a sudden for, for no connected reason are going to go to Moldavia or whatever, that... Um, you know, that, that it is the universe talking to you? I absolutely do. I've, I've learned to embrace that as I got older. I used to kind of think that was like, nah, you know, but as, as I said, you know, I think like most people in my 40s, I started asking me, why am I here a question? And, and for me, Subud, I've been practicing Subud now for about 11 years. Um, it's allowed me to really become much more aware of all those things around me. You know, I, probably one of the most um, influential books I read that led me to this was a book called There Are No Coincidences. And I, because I'd always kind of written it off as, okay, whatever. And then, you know, I realized in looking back, and I think anyone at a certain point can look back in your entire life and see these arcs that are connected that led to where you are now. And it would just be silly not to assume that there's some, some, thread there, you know, a meaningful thread, because it, otherwise it just doesn't make any sense for it not to be. You'd have to be stupid to ignore that. I mean, who goes to Moldova, right? Nobody. <laughs> no, I even said it wrong. <laughs> okay, Moldova. <laughs> well, technically they speak Moldavian, so. Okay, so I was close. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, and, I, and I usually actually am pretty good about the world having traveled to crazy places but that is not a place i have been no it was so random it was utterly random they're just all these little things and and sometimes they're very long arcs sometimes it's participation in something that goes on and on for years and you don't really know why you're doing it and then all of a sudden you're like oh okay now i see that's how that fits in okay so aha moment i'm gonna do this um the world aligns somehow to uh to 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 say Yes, Dana. Yes, go, go, go. Yep. What come, and then what comes next? Layoff. <laughs> ah, <laughs> okay. My last layoff. Um, yeah, it was really funny because I it was uh, the end of 2017, I believe. And yeah, 2017, I had already figured out at that point that this is what I wanted to do. And so I was researching and you know, putting together some initial um, thoughts around the baseline on it. But I wasn't really sure when to go full-time, because that's a big deal, you know, letting go of your, your money and just jumping in full-time on any project is, is a leap of faith. And so I, I was trying to figure out when it would be right for me. And my, my boss 
decided to make the decision for me. Our whole team was let go and most of the company was shut down. I was working for a telecom international calling that you were talking about international calling. Right. I was working with, which is not a, not exactly a growing industry right now. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thanks WhatsApp. Um, but the, but we got laid off and I, I was having to let go of one of my employees and Nisha and told her, Hey, I'm really sorry. You know, I know I recruited you and brought you out of Georgia. And so let me help you figure out what you're going to do next. And she said, well, you know, I've wanted to work in sustainable fashion my entire life. And I, she knew about my startup idea. I'd been, you know, open with them about it. My side, my side hustle. And she said, I'd really like to join you. And I was like, really, that's fantastic. Cause I had been hoping and praying for someone to jump on the journey with me. Cause it's very lonely to be an entrepreneur without a team. And so she did. And we both just figured it out how we could, you know, pull in some other monies and, and busted our butts. And a year and change later, we went live. And it's ballad Dana. It's ballad Dana, but you can Dana. say it any way you like. Okay, well, because you're Dana. So I always go. I know. You know. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's funny. Americans have trouble saying ballad Dana because it's not a, that ah sound for us is not as common as the A uh, sound. But you can say Balladana. Or Balladana. Okay. So, but it's a made up word. So as you said. It is. Yeah. Okay. And it's a, so, so now tell us, so it is a marketplace for clothing. Yes. I got specifically, that much it's, <laughs> it's specifically for made to measure clothing. So the challenge that I had with the sizing was not unique to me and the research that we've done. And then there's been some other empirical research done. The, the sizing, ugh, especially for women. It's just, it's crazy. It's a little bit easier for men. Most men's sizing, they're fairly standardized and loosely based on inches. Um, Whereas women's are completely arbitrary and based on nothing and change from clothing garment to dark garment, brand to brand, even lot to lot. There's just an awful lot of, of chaos in the sizing system. And so my thought was, well, you know what, aren't we ready at this point? I'm a digital, digital transformation person. I'm like looking around, I'm like, we got body scanners. We know what people's bodies are. We've got robots over here cutting things out. We've got in between digital pattern making technology. Why isn't all this stuff connected? <laughs> like, like, how do I start putting this together? You know, like, it just makes no sense to me why I'm still playing this stupid game. I'm getting off this crazy train and making my own supply chain and connecting it to a made to measure model. Excellent. So that's what it is and it's, and it's live and you're in business. Yep, we have 12 designers from 10 countries. We've got about 500 items of different styles in rotation right now. We only show about 250 at a time. We swap them out for seasons and, and decay. And they are everything we say from, from underwear to evening wear and everything in between. And our, we have price ranges from $55 up to $2,500. So we've got sort of your everyday wear and your couture wear as well. Most people, I think, seek us out for a special occasion or they've got a gift. Uh, maybe they're usually a lot of mothers buy for their daughters. So that's always kind of fun. A lot of uh, women who are my age or a little younger may have had family members who sewed. And so they've had exposure to custom-made clothing before and they understand that it's different and it's something more meaningful and what's the so what's the response well it's been a little slow to get off but so far so good um and i'm happy to say we are now after some early corrections we're at about a 72 percent success rate for perfect fit on the first fitting 
Uh, we do what we call a happiness guarantee. So if it doesn't fit, we'll pay for the alterations. So you're not going to have to ship it back to Romania or to Moldova. <laughs> you, know, you are going to, um, it'll, it'll fit you. We guarantee it. We'll, we'll make it right. So there's a low risk there. And my understanding is that 72% is significantly higher than retail. So that's pretty awesome. Okay. So interesting. I was going to say, so, so you get a customer, so you've got a good, uh, they're, they're happy, which is yeah. good. Um, but how do you, and, 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 and clothing is one of those places that I'm, I'm, I'm curious about because I'm, I've, everything's moving online, right? I mean, not yeah. everything, but maybe now everything is moving online, right? So, um, you know, if, if there could probably never be a better time for an online business than, uh, in, in, in this moment of time, except that I don't know people need clothing to, cause they're not going out, but you know. <laughs> yeah. This, this particular, the timing on this has been very poor for us because, um, the custom clothing market has two seasons. So for us, springtime is a big season and then fall is a big season. It's largely around the special events season. So, um, our Christmas is like right now because this is wedding season. This is prom season. This is, you know, people who are finally coming out of their winter homes and thinking, oh, perhaps I need something new for a vacation over summer. So this is one of those, those peak shopping and researching seasons. And we've definitely been interrupted. We've had a number of brides who have had to cancel their weddings altogether. Um, so that's been, we don't, we don't do bridal dresses per se, but we do, uh, really beautiful suits. And a lot of women now are opting to have custom made suits for, or vests or something that's a little bit more gender neutral okay. to, for their weddings. Uh, and also people who are attending weddings. So family and friends who, I like to say that weddings are the, are adult prom. So ah. yeah, they are. So yeah. now because we live in such a casual leisure leisure wear environment women don't get a chance to dress up that often so it's a lot of fun to dress up for a wedding so it's, it's one of the few times we can gussy up but i i was i uh so leaving that part aside of the of the downturn for this um you know it, i'm i'm thinking about um i'm trying to remember the name of the book by uh, that tony shea wrote um delivering happiness i think is what it's called have you ever read that I have not. Sounds good. So, so Tony Shea is the guy who started Zappos, oh, which yeah. he then sold to Amazon, but he still runs it. Yeah. But if you think about early days of Zappos, uh, same thing, buying yeah. shoes online. I mean, you know, you go to a store, you try them on, they fit, they don't fit, right? I mean, yeah. how take that experience. And now this is where we get to this concept about about moving certain types of businesses online and how do you how do you make that work so he talks a lot about what his um sales reps do and how much time i've never bought a pair of shoes from zappos but i have okay you have so i understand that they will work with you very uh specifically almost like a shoe salesman would in the store to you know well you like this one well how about these they'll spend hours on the phone with you to get the right shoe for you kind of idea yeah and it's all about that customer touching experience that communication that you you talked about earlier you know now if they don't fit you gotta send them back but they even they even solve that by making free return shipping right they do i'm a very very big fan of theirs and not just for the the business model but tony's uh attitude like even when he was a youngin when he started that company so it was really impressive to me how he had such a different vision. Now, now I wonder, by the way, 
they had to have been losing money out the butt for the first few years on that. So I think he was fortunate to have some very patient investors who didn't try to squeeze him on the metrics and have people cutting their time on the phone and things like that. Because I, I've seen firsthand what can happen when you allow yourself to be a bit too metrics driven. I mean, definitely as a, as a business leader, you need to be aware of your business metrics and you need to be optimizing wherever you can. But I think the minute you start optimizing that human experience, you're going to, there's no way to, there's no place to go but down, right? <laughs> if the way you're measuring it is time on phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and numbers of, you know, and churn rate, because that's, those are both terrible metrics. <laughs> so how do you convert a, um, a would-be customer? How do you convert? And sorry if you hear the dog in the background. This is the this is now the benefits of uh, of uh, of COVID nineteen and podcasting from home. Some interruptions. Um, but how do you convert the would be the customer who would otherwise you know maybe get something they don't love at at Macy's or somewhere else mm -hmm. into a into being a custom clothing you know convert and then b okay, not only am I going to buy custom clothing, but now I'm going to buy it online and the person who, and the designer is sitting in Moldova or is that yeah, saying it right? Moldova. Moldova. Just say Romania. Most Romania. Of Romania. There you go. Okay. Um, well, we're still learning to perfect that. I, I think what I've found is that we have to do two things. Number one, we have to help them understand that it's an experience and we're going to talk to them and we're going to be much more communicative during the entire process and that they have to get comfortable with being in a little bit more proactive role themselves like in the design and making decisions like you're going to if you're buying a suit i'm going to be talking with you about your lapel width Women have never been asked about their lapel width in their <laughs> lives. This is a completely new and novel experience. So men actually have an advantage here. Men are far more familiar with custom-made clothing than women are. But for most women, the only custom clothing they'll have in their life is their, is their wedding gown or maybe the bridesmaid's gown. So there's only about 10% of the population of the women um, who have had custom-made clothing. And, and it spreads the gamut, like I said, from bridal to, to suits to every day. Some folks are converts and they really like it and they do it over and over again. But the majority of American women have no experience whatsoever. And so this is a bit daunting for them and they need a lot of hand-holding. So they need me to tell them, oh, you have a very large chest then perhaps we don't do the breast pocket. Perhaps we do a wide peaked lapel or a narrower lapel, or maybe if you have a short neck, we don't do any lapel at all, right? So it's, it's talking to them and helping them understand their own bodies because what they, we've been taught in fashion now and, and just in general, women typically will blame their bodies before they blame the manufacturer. Hmm. right? It's me that has the problem that I don't fit into this bizarre puzzle of a, of a fashion system, you know? So we don't, we don't learn to challenge that and we don't learn to have any control or, or dialogue in that. So the very first step is getting them comfortable with talking about their body, talking about making decisions about things and, and getting involved in the process in, you know, in a somewhat artistic way. And so that, that's kind of fun. And then helping them understand that you know their fantasy versus reality right because there's always that um we have to make sure we set expectations that when you get it there's a chance like i said you know there's a chance that it may have to be altered that's okay 
we hope that it's perfect, but there's a chance that it's not going to be. We're literally trying to do this from across the world based on a set of numbers that you may or may not have given us accurately, right? So um, it's getting better and better. The technology is helping. And I think within a few years, we will definitely see significant improvements. But the, the tech is actually, in this case, almost a deterrent. It does take a lot, like we implemented a, one of these cool technology where you just take pictures of yourself and it bloated and it'll take your measurements out from there. But I, I've had much more, far more women say that they would prefer to have a tailor measure them or someone in their household to measure them. They still trust that human touch a little bit more than they do this, you know, an artificial intelligence. Isn't that odd? No, no, I, I, I well, look, people, we don't trust uh, self-driving cars, although they probably would have a lot less accidents than, uh, you know, than, than what we control. So, um, but I was, uh, you know, I was, I was captured by two things you just said. One is about the experience mm -hmm. because, you know, for this audience too, taking your, you know, your story and taking it somewhat out of the context um, of of clothing and what exactly what you do, but applying it to entrepreneurs of all of all ilk, um, you know, um, the that 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 experience that you're trying to bring to the customer, and uh, I think is um, something that I think could resonate with a lot of businesses. And then understanding the um, Understanding something that maybe wouldn't come naturally, like you pointed out, that women blame themselves and their body type versus blaming the clothing or the manufacturer. The brands, yeah. uh, you know, that's a, you know, that, that, that can, I think, be a very powerful, uh, you know, piece of information and how you yeah. can, can then educate and convert um, and, you know, create probably legions of, of fans as a result of of just making it clear that that's not the case right yeah it's true and it's um you know one of the i have a lot of these little moments during this arc we've been in business about a year and during the sometimes we'll go out to these marketplaces and you know i'll take a rack of clothes and talk to women and it's so interesting to watch them when they're going through the rags and like oh i really love this oh that's gorgeous i really want that oh look at this cloth and they're excited about it but then they look at it and you see them just like oh that'll never fit me they're so used to saying oh but that'll never fit me and then i have to tell them well of course it will <laughs> and then you, there's just like this light goes off in their head there's like oh my god you're 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 right this this will fit me i can have this it's so I know, sad and also amazing at the same time that we, we feel so deprived and so limited by our bodies that we blame. And I, I, you know, I wish I had the opportunity to tell every woman in the world that they do not have to continue to beat themselves up at the rack anymore. Yeah. So did that dawn on you because you're a woman? Did that dawn on you because of some research? How did you, how did you get there? To, to understand that women blame themselves? I yeah. heard, I've heard it out of their mouths over and over again. Oh, I'm short. Oh, my arms are too long. Oh, that didn't fit. It must be me. Anytime, like if there's a situation, and that's why I've learned to navigate this whole, you know, if it doesn't fit on the first thing, it's a failure, but they don't want to blame me. They want to blame themselves. Oh, I must have done something wrong. Oh, it's my butt or it's whatever, you know, it, it's, they internalize it as their own failure because they haven't been given any other dialogue. 
And so you're, that's as much you're transforming it that way. I hope so. That's my plan. Yeah. So, you know, since I've known you, I, I and I, I think it's interesting, um, even, I think even, well, I don't want to say for every job you've had or every everything you've started, but I know that um, supporting women and supporting women's businesses has been something that I've heard you um, repeat to me <laughs> uh, in the times we've had meals together or talked or what have you. So I'm 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 gathering as opposed to some of the the tech businesses you've been in, and I understand there's technology involved in this, but yeah. this is. This isn't a tech business at, at some level. At some level, it is, and at some level, it isn't. But you're 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 delivering something to women now. Yes. Um, are all of your designers women? The majority of the companies are women owned. I find a lot of them are um, husband and wife teams. So the the wife may be the designer and the head creative director, and the husband may be doing more of the operations and business. That's a fairly common model. Um, others are just solo women who, who have their own businesses. There are a couple, there's actually this, this brother sister duo, Sam shake out of India. Those guys are great. I love them. They're young and fun. That is a, our largest provider is Sumi Sura. And that was actually started originally with a, a men's line called Hawker Tea. And it's two tech dudes who decided to figure out how to make online men's suiting. And they ultimately started up a women's line called Sumi Sura. And they are, they are, they employ a team of designers of, of all genders, I suppose, in Europe who then um, have the, their teams in Vietnam and China do the, the actual creation there. So it's all over the board, but I think the bulk, and I, I have a soft spot, obviously, for women-owned companies that I just feel like you're, we, we know how to address the female form. Now, that being said, one of my most wonderful designers. His name is Lino Piani. He's an Italian bespoke guy out of London. He was a, he's a Savile Row tailor. He has spent his entire life, his mom was a seamstress, dressmaker. He has spent his entire life studying the female form, you know, from an, as an architectural challenge and creates the most lovely and elegant thing. So it really doesn't have to be gender-based. It really just has to be someone who has a sense of the human body and the complexity of the female body in particular, we are far more difficult and more random and more variable to fit than men. So understanding that is important. Do any of your, um, any of your designers are in the U.S. or every, or they're just, they're, it's, it's worldwide, but not U.S.? No, we actually do have a couple of them. Actually, I'm signing one more, hopefully, in this next week. I won't tell you who, but we'll, we'll be uh, bringing them in in the next month or so. So yeah, we, I always look for American providers, I, it's a bit challenging because this is a tough business. The, it, it's hard to make the economics work on made to measure. So sure. I'm hoping that the robotics catch up pretty quickly. Gotcha. So when you're not, I, and I know, you know, one thing I know about you also is, uh, and I think probably for all entrepreneurs is you, um, you, you know, you live, breathe, eat, sleep your business. But what are you, what, what are you doing? Do you, and I know you're not a person who's going to curl up in a fetal position, um, you know, uh, and, and give up. So, but are you, what are you, what are you doing for fun these days? Well, I did do a fetal position one day, not an entire day, but I, I did let myself have a little pity party. Um, Cause I think you have to, I think you have to honor those feelings, right? It's just like, I am afraid. 
I am sad. <laughs> sure. So, but once you do that, then you, you got to get off the horse and do something. So for fun, I'm actually doing a lot of Zoom. I, did, I, had, I had a cocktail party last weekend because um, I really miss a lot of my friends in San Diego. I spent 18 years there. And although many of us have moved away from San Diego, we, we still occasionally try to have, and usually around this time of year, we try to get, have a get together where everyone gets together and we cook and eat and drink and laugh and, you know, and just connect at a very uh, deep human level. We've known each other for 20 plus years. And so we had a cocktail party last weekend on Zoom and everybody brought their coffee or their cocktail because we were all in different time zones. And I swear to God, we sat there for two and a half hours just laughing and drinking and it was a blast. It was really fun. So that's been lovely, playing games online with my family, trying to connect with friends, um, walking, shopping, cooking. I'm cooking like a maniac. I don't even know why. I'm like acting like I'm at the, the end of the world, you know, I'm cooking everything I own. I don't know why. I literally can't <laughs> even eat it all. I'm just cooking. It makes me feel better. Okay. Well, that's, that's something <laughs> I, you know, there is, um, cooking for me is absolutely therapeutic. And I understand that I enjoy, my problem is I enjoy cooking, not for myself, but for others. So right now that becomes a little problematic. I mean, I can cook for my kids, but which is great, but I like, you know, like the large scale cooking, I think. I'm the, I'm the crazy person who has uh, been known to have dinner parties and cook recipes that I've never made before. Oh, you're a risk taker then. Oh yeah, that's 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 um actually really like I'm like okay I'm whatever it is I'm going to try out on them and if it fails well, I'll say well it's the first time I ever cooked it and if it's a success <laughs> and I go well of course I'm a genius you know. <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah. That's, oh, so maybe you should just cook for yourself. Yeah, I, maybe little... I have to start doing that more or something. That's I don't so know. Fun. So, yeah. are you reading anything good at the moment? Ah. Uh, I just started on an audiobook called The Transparent Sale, I think, or Transparency Sale. Um, I was obviously not too far into it, but um, I have a problem with audiobooks. I, I feel like I want to listen to them, but then I get distracted. And if I try to just listen to them, I fall asleep. So I'm really trying, I'm, I'm audiobook challenged, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I, I usually do better with physical books. Um, but I tell you what I am doing is going to a lot of podcasts and a lot of group things so um for example i thought it was brilliant it was a i think it was a digital agency i forget who did it they just decided to throw this e-commerce town hall thing and they did a zoom style thing and people called in and then they set up a private facebook group and what's really cool is watching all these different communities of people who didn't know each other and weren't even connected just coming together around a common hub and expressing challenges, but also challenging each other and giving ideas and solutions and saying like, hey, let's snap out of this. This is the time to be creative. Here's what this person's doing. What do you think about this? And having the, that lifeline of creative ideation is definitely helping me pull myself out of the well. That's okay. That's, that's good. And I, I see that. I see um, like masterminds coming together and groups like that, just, you know, putting yeah. together, um, and something I, I absolutely love is seeing business people just out there trying to help each other with ideas and uh, making sure that they, you know, they keep, keep going and, yeah. and, and not curl up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like this morning, I woke up at like four o'clock in the morning, just like weird time. I'm getting weird sleep patterns right now. Um, and I, my, I realized that there was a middle of the night, ask me anything of, on business of fashion, which is a, it's a, 
it's an apparel industry trade pub. And the editor is just doing these every single day in a different time zone. So that because they cover the entire world, they're doing an ask me anything on Instagram live. And so I'm like, eh, I'm awake. I might as well. So I plug in and here I am seeing, you know, a designer in Spain, a, a, a wool recycler in Pakistan, and I'm getting to hear these stories and, and, and they're opening up their knowledge base to say like, hey, we're here for you. What's your question? What's on your mind? What are you seeing out there as a solution? And so it's, it's amazing. Going back to the technology piece, it is amazing to see what something like that can literally do. They were, had at one point 700 people tapped into that thing from all over the world. Wow. That's, that's, that's amazing. That is, and, and, and within a, an industry space, so that's good in being supportive to one another or, you know, I, like I said, it's, there is that piece of the human spirit that I always hope that even though we can get so ugly with each other over politics and other things that if we can get to some base level of, of, of helping and understanding and compassion. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So, okay, Dana, how do people find you? Ballodana.com. That's B as in boy, A-L-O-D-A-N-A.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Balladana and Twitter, Balladana Fashion, Facebook, Balladana Fashion. Um, you can find me personally at Dana Todd. I'm on Twitter. I'm always ranting about something feminist there. And uh, yeah, you know, I'd love to talk to anybody out there, not just about fashion, but tell me what's on your mind. I'm, I'm always here. I love to connect with people. That's awesome. So uh, as you may or may not know, um, I like to make sure that we have uh, really very complete show notes for, for uh, corporate thought. I'm hoping that people are listening to this at whatever point in their day makes sense for them. And if that means they're in a car or somewhere else, and I love that we, that we talk about, you know, there might be books or other things that we've talked about today. Um, and they're like, oh, I want to know more, but, you know, I don't want them crashing their car. <laughs> uh, and so rather than just have a sort of a, a little summary of our conversation, I literally go through and do the research and I'll put links to all the things that we talk about. So Great. hopefully, um, uh, and all your, your socials will be in there too. So people can reach out to you. Awesome. So, Thanks so anyway. much. Well, I really appreciate you doing this. That was, it's been uh, a pleasure. Really great awesome. to reconnect with you. Have a yep. go. Awesome. Have, some, have an awesome pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You too. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dana Todd. Besides my inability to pronounce names of countries, I hope that you learned an awful lot. As always, Please subscribe wherever you get podcasts and let us have your feedback. We want to make this show the best possible resource we can for you. Have a great day.